Welcome, everyone, to the Not Another Bucking Podcast. That's right, another podcast about the Denver Broncos. My name is Nick Cosmeter. I have covered the Broncos for The Athletic uh, since the start of the 2020 season. And since that time, I've periodically had people ask me, uh, you know, when are you going to have a podcast? And it was one of those things where I uh, have been wanting to do it, have had perhaps a few chances here and there to do it, um, but wanted to do it uh, you know, in a way that was sort of my own and our own. And, um, you know, so that's what we are doing here. We're, we're making a podcast that we hope can be, uh, engaging for our fans. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna have a, a YouTube channel to go along with this podcast as well. Uh, we hope you guys will subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, as well as the YouTube channel and, and, and give us input. We want this to be a, um, podcast that, that really kind of engages with you, the, the listeners, the, you know, the subscribers on YouTube and, and any other way that you reach us. And as far as the podcast itself, um, look, a couple episodes a week of, of try, trying to dive into topics around the Broncos, um, you know, hopefully having smart analysis by a rotating cast of guests every week. Uh, that's sort of what we're shooting for. We just, you know, want to have fun with this thing. And uh, that'll that'll bring us to our first guest this week. It's Nate Kreckman, uh, host of the Kreckman and Lindahl Show Every third, every weekday from three to six on Altitude Radio ninety two point five. I've known Nate uh, since I came into this market ten years ago. Um, you know, great guy who has been covering the Broncos in his capacity as a radio host and reporter for for many years. Um, so wanted to get uh, to get his input, the big picture input, uh, as he adds into another training camp along with the rest of us. Uh, and so we'll get to Nate here in just a second. Uh, but why don't we refresh what we're going into here with training camp? Uh, the biggest storyline, of course, being can Sean Payton, the first-year head coach who spent 15 seasons coaching the New Orleans Saints, help Russell Wilson rebound after Wilson had the worst season of his career following his trade to the Broncos in 2022? Um, and as a reminder, let's just sort of rewind back to what Russell Wilson had to say about the partnership uh, during OTAs in the spring. Uh, well, first of all, I think Sean's um, one of the best coaches to ever coach this game. He's intense. He's focused. Um, he's such a great teacher of the game. And so all of us are learning uh, every day, you know, more information, you know, just uh, learning how to play the game the right way, how to practice at the highest level. And that's what we're focused on right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor to obviously, you know, put on the pads and put on the jersey and, and just uh, get to do what I love to do. Nate Kreckman, welcome to the Not Another Bucking Podcast, man. Um, been uh, trying to set this up for like a couple years and I've been either too lazy or you know basically the list stops there but um <laughs> had to have you as as my first guest man how you doing i'm good this is this is weird i have to say because you've been my guest thousands of times by now and now i'm i'm your guest so i have no idea how to behave you'll probably never invite me over again but we'll try this anyway yeah we'll try this anyway i thought it was only appropriate yeah that we kind of switch switch it around a little bit let you be uh you know, kind of be the, be the guest, have your opinions fly in here fast and heavy and um, get the podcast started off the right way. But uh, before all that, man, how this, this time right before training camp, it like, it gives me major, like back to school type, type anxiety in a way that like nothing really else that I've done that I've covered does. Uh, do you, you get that sense too, of like, it's a clear delineation of like, all right, summer's, summer's done now. Yeah, but also for what I do and, you know, as, as somebody that does a talk show and covers every sport in town, like 
last year the avalanche won the cup and that went all the way into june and then this year the nuggets won the title and that went all the way into june and so it's weird because in the past it was always like broncos training camp was like the big thing and in the last couple of years and the broncos have lived down to this the start of training camp has kind of been the letdown so yeah let's let's hope that these guys are actually good this year um and and that this thing is fun and yeah, but uh, I feel like summer we got like two weeks or something like that after the Nuggets ended, and and now training camp is finally here. So it's it's a very different world for me. But um, I don't have a real job like you do. <laughs> well, tell me about like I'm always curious about how the how the radio part of training camp works, right? Because I, I tend to see you out there. You, you you normally host the the afternoon show with Andy Lindahl on Altitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, two to six. Is that still your time? time Three to six. Three to six. Okay. Stopped an hour off us. There you go. All right. Um, but, but I see you there in in the morning. So how does it, how does that work? You guys kind of like, you have crossover. How does that, how does that work from a, from a radio perspective at training camp? So the answer for this year is I don't know. Okay. (laughs) The the answer, and, and we'll get to Sean Payton and, and his rules, I suppose. Um, but in the past, it always sort of worked of, you know, Andy and I would get out there as often as we possibly could. Um, you know, again, like the the focus of our day is, is our afternoon radio show. So, you know, in, in general, like somebody's busy one day or has a, something they have to commitment or whatever that morning, it's like, okay, you make sure you're at this one. I'll make sure I'm at this one. We mostly go to to nearly all of them. And, and generally, it's it's just to you know make observations and then you know think about that and try and synthesize those into topics and ways to be able to talk about it from three to six in the afternoon for for this year i i don't i don't know how it's going to work it, just like i think you even have probably some questions about how this year's training camp is going to go um you know the the otas that i attended were uh, different and weird so i'll i'll be interested to see you know once we get into training camp exactly how this entire thing is going to go and going to operate and what worthwhile things that we will both observe and then be able to say on the afternoon radio show. I I have no idea. Um, I also, and and this is where I'm kind of a lousy guest for this particular show, I think is that I'm now uh, two decades into this thing of (laughs) of Broncos training camp. and, And one of the things, and again, I don't mean to blow up your training camp podcast, but one of the things I've come to realize is that um, very few things that happen in training camp actually matter for the big picture, for what we actually care about, which is the wins and losses of the football games. Like if you want to view every training camp practice as an event and break it down in minute detail, you could, I I suppose you could. I, and, and trust me, I've done that plenty of times in, you know, in my life, but I try to approach it. And quite frankly, you know, Nick, I read all your stuff. I think you try to approach it this way too, of just like, okay, this is what happened, but what is this and how does this actually impact what's going to happen September 10th when they play the Raiders, you know, like what is actually going to be important when we get to that time and not just, Hey, this undrafted rookie out of Holy cross is having a good looking camp. He could have a shot at making the practice squad it doesn't matter. Okay. It, ju- it just doesn't matter. And for every, you know, everyone that yells at you, Rod Smith was undrafted. Terrell Davis was a sixth round pick. Yeah. Okay. 
Keep going. Keep naming those guys. Well, you you ran out. Okay, you're not going to run sure. out of breath. Chris Harris was brilliant, but we forgot ninety nine percent of these dudes. So wake me up when we get to September. Unfortunately, is my jaded veteran attitude. All right, Nate. So let's break this down in very specific detail about what Good. we want to see. <laughs> yeah, we go. No, I, I I'm with you. I, I think there 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 becomes this like this tendency, this pull that I think exists within this very large uh, media core, cons mm -hmm. considering the market, um, to, to to jump on that, right? To have a take on every single throw, on every single thing that happens. Right. Um, I think as you go longer, speaking to your experience uh, covering it, and even even mine now, I think I'm on my fifth camp, um, you, you learn a little bit how to sort of like keep that at bay, right? That sort of mm -hmm. internal pull to like, let me tell you every single thing that happened on this day, as opposed to like, let's paint some with some, you know, different strokes about how this will look in a picture come September. Um, you know, it, it, it's still time to find cool stories, right, about some of these guys. Yep. But I think making it bigger than than what it is in that moment can be, you know, a, a sort of a trap that you fall into. But but you mentioned Sean Payton. And I think, I think again, it's not going to be something we see necessarily day one. Although how we, where we stand when we get to watch these practices, that was different, as you mentioned, during OTAs and minicamp. We still don't have a good idea. I think the first practice is Friday. Uh, we're sitting here now recording this uh, early in the week. We don't know what it's going to look like. No. But what what are you most curious about just from, from that dynamic? We listened to the clip coming in about Russell Wilson talking very effusively about, you know, learning from Sean Payton. That's been his desire. People in his camp said this is something that he has, he has wanted for a, for a long time. Um, is it going to be a be careful what you wish for thing? We'll find that out soon enough. But what... What are you most curious about as a guy who's followed Sean Payton's career from afar from a long time, kind of knows some of the stuff that comes with him? What are you just curious about as a as a training camp observer when it comes to he and, and perhaps his relationship with Russell Wilson? Well, when it comes to the, the relationship with Russ, and that, that to me is the, is the biggest question mark. I think Sean Payton's a really, really good coach. Um, he, he's got a lengthy track record. He's one with... Yeah, again, Drew Brees mostly, but a variety of different kinds of rosters. So Parcel guy, uh, Parcel's guy, he's he's as um, as as experienced, and I think is unfazed by the moment, the spotlight, the attention, the challenges of anybody. Like the Broncos are going to have unexpected challenges in this camp. They're going to deal with injuries that are going to pop up. There, there's going to be things like that. There's almost nothing you can throw at Sean Payton that he's never seen before. So that that's a huge plus over really over any coach that they've had since Gary Kubiak has been in that spot. So that's that's a big change. The other the other thing I'm most curious about is the interpersonal workings of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. And you know, Russell Wilson's purported excitement over Sean Payton being here his his admiration for Sean and the reputation, what he said about him at Pro Bowls in the past and everything else is that's all that all sounds great. But what is the coachability going to be like, not this week or next week, but, you know, preseason games and towards the end of camp and start of the regular season. And if if the if the offense doesn't see success immediately, then the ability to be able to stick with it and follow that plan, that to me is is the biggest question mark in the meshing of the personalities. 
I also think, and, and Nick, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. Like Sean Payton has not gone out of his way to be effusive in praise or public commitment to Russell Wilson at any time since he has gotten this job. And I don't know if that's a put on. I don't know if that's a motivational ploy or if that's just the God's honest truth for Sean Payton of, I don't know about this guy and let's see. Okay. That that's what I'm curious to find out about is, is Russ going to stick to being the good soldier and is Sean Payton going to stick to seeing it through as far as he possibly can with Russell Wilson, or is this a one-year marriage that is just going to blow up and and fall apart? That, yeah, it, to me, that that's the story of this season for the Broncos. Yeah, it really it really is because Sean Payton's going to be here. He he signed a five-year contract with the Broncos. The, the, this ownership group views him as sort of this long-term play at stability, right? This this guy that is going to bring in a culture that's proven to win in the past. That's proven to be consistent, which I think is the thing that's been been missing, obviously, amid all this roster turnover, coaching turnover, front office turnover. Um, you know, that that is the thing that they have tried to accomplish with the hiring of Sean Payton. Russell Wilson is is probably the, the next most important part of that whole thing, because again, let's remember March 2022, five draft picks, three players, a couple months later, five year, $245 million contract. There's not much more you could invest in an effort to bring in a franchise quarterback and have that guy be sort of the answer to a long-term problem. And in 2022, Russell Wilson was anything but those things. And so like, it's such a dynamic of like what they need him to be versus maybe now what is, what is realistic. And, and that to, to your point about Sean Payton, not going all out in, in his praise for Russell Wilson, which is a stark departure from what we saw last training camp. It was, it was the hype train, run amok, run into the wall, run up, run over the mountain, however you want to say it. It's I, I think, I think some of it is a concerted effort to avoid that in every way. Sean Payton has not hid his sort of like disdain might be a strong word, but just really like turning his nose up at how he saw the operation go last mm-hmm. year. And I think so much of that was sort of this like, you know, kind of red carpet for Wilson, because in his mind, Sean Payton, 15 year coach, Super Bowl champion, um, you know, mega winner, like he's the one that should be in charge and setting that whole foundation and and, and having it re- revolve around how he does things. And so it's for him, Russell Wilson better get on board. Like there's no, you know, there, there's no wiggle room there in my mind of what Sean Payton wants out of him. And Russell Wilson, to your point, he, he has to show, you know, with the way that he, follows like the, the offense with the way that he um, takes coaching, all those sorts of things. He has to show what matches his words about really learning from Peyton and thinking he's a genius. If you think he's a genius, just go all in, be a completely right. on board, be a completely malleable player, even at 34 years old with 11 years of experience. That's just what, what he's got to be in my mind. You know, I think back to, to Russ in Seattle. Okay. And the, the greatest point of tension that existed between um, that defense and, you know, Russ and the coaching staff was the sense that Pete Carroll 
acquiesced to anything that Russ wanted, that Pete Carroll held his hand, that Pete Carroll had a different set of standards for Russ than he did for other guys, that Pete Carroll coached the entire roster hard except for Russell Wilson. And, and that ultimately was a source of tension. Now, eventually, you know, did did Russ take it too far? Did he make too many pushes in terms of demands? And was that ultimately what got him shipped out of town? Well, plenty of long-form pieces that I read in places um, like the athletic last year would suggest that that certainly was the case. But again, this was the sense of um, it was easier on Russ. We watched it with Hackett last year. I mean, it's not humanly possible for anything to have been easier than what it was between Russ and Hackett last year. Now that Sean is here, Peyton's job is to, like you said, coach him hard and have Russ take the coaching and the lack of public commitment suggests a situation where Russell Wilson is adapting to something he's never had before in his pro football career. And, you know, Sean Payton can be as overbearing as, as any coach in football. How is all that going to go to your point? Maybe it goes great. Maybe, maybe this is exactly what Russell Wilson has been thirsting for has needed. And maybe last year's gigantic helping of humble pie got Russ to the place where he will just simply take that coaching and this will all work magnificently. Um, that'd be awesome. We, we would all enjoy watching the Broncos score more than 16 points a game. I, I think we would all like that, but I don't know if it gets there. I, I, I just flat out do not know if it does. I, here's the thing. I know it has to. Yeah, it has to. It's the only way it works. Yeah. And, and I think it's such a good point about like, you know, the, the, the humble portion of it, like the, the benefit I think for Sean Payton is that like Russell will, you know, Russell Wilson's confidence, how he felt internally, I think is a lot different, was a lot different last year than what he would ever publicly say. Sure. Uh, he, his conf to me, as much as anything else, we know he had some injuries that he dealt with. We know his offensive line was injured and inefficient. We know that the coaching staff was way over its skis. All mm -hmm. those things were true. Um, but but I but I think there was a a real tangible like loss of confidence in Russell Wilson, um, which which is probably was a, was a new thing, right? So much I think of the push and pull that existed in Seattle could exist because they were so successful, right? And it became this matter of like who deserves the credit for this or who's mm -hmm. who's not being allowed to shine the most in this era of success. Well, Russell Wilson doesn't have that success in Denver to stand on. And so for, for Sean Payton, who's coming in fresh as a, you know, again, the winner guy, the guy that won four division titles, even at the end of his tenure, uh, toward the end of his tenure in New Orleans, um, you know, just, just a winner comes in with that sort of fresh blank sheet, whereas Russell Wilson is coming off the worst season of his career. I think that's an advantageous position for Sean Payton to be in because it, it's, look, what you had last year did not work. We have to completely yeah. overhaul things. And the only way it's going to work um, is if you buy in. And so I think that's hopefully if, if you're a Broncos fan, that's what you, that's what you're getting from, from Russell Wilson. But to your point, we have to, we have to see it. We could, we could talk as long as we want about what it needs to look like, but it's, it's a matter of how he takes that, um, and how quickly they, that's the other part of this. This offense is complicated. It's everybody you talk yeah. to say, you know, it doesn't really start rolling until year two, year three. And Russell Wilson's on his third straight new offense. Um, so that's going to be, I think, another component of it, of, of how, how much can they add in this training camp versus what they ultimately want to get to that is, is another component of it. You know, think back to last year, uh, whether, whether it was the, maybe the Raider game 
you know, at home where they lose an OT, maybe it's, you know, the, the indie yeah, game, you, that you abomination. Pick one of it out of a tree. Exactly. Like standing there and listening to Russell Wilson after a game and being like, this guy's shaking. Like this guy, this guy is, he's not feeling himself right now. It's happened. And, you know, the, the stupid signifier that we were all searching for, but sadly he made it a thing was, well, did he say Broncos country? Let's ride at, at the end of the, you know, of, of his press availability, whatever it is. Here's the good news. Okay. The week 17 and 18 of, of, you know, the chiefs and the chargers, and they scored 29 points a game in those two games. Um, Rossberg stepped in for Hackett. They got Russ into some better situations. He showed a little bit of desperation and physicality and some want to to play well. And look, was he great in those games? God, no. But he was he was better than he had been. Like, imagine if if Hackett doesn't get fired after Christmas, if he finishes the year and they're that bad those last two games, I don't know what version of Russell Wilson shows up to training camp. In the very least, and again, it wasn't great, but in the very least, he at least has that to be able to look back on and say, okay, like I haven't totally lost everything. I still have some ability, and if I'm coached competently, things can be okay. Yeah, and you hope that they take some of the good stuff too, like that, that this coaching staff, which I think is obviously smart enough to to kind of pick from trees that have good fruit and put that all together, like – um, in those two games, we saw a, a much more concerted, um, heavy personnel running attack that, that I think, you know, allowed Russell Wilson to actually breathe, allowed things to not mm-hmm. be so complicated at the line of scrimmage. Um, the other thing was featuring Jerry Judy as your, as your clear best offensive player, which is what he is right now. You know, could Javante Williams be that guy once he gets healthy, perhaps, but right now, Jer- Jerry Judy is the best offensive player on this football team. And, yep. and, and you have to feature that player, not, not as like a happenstance, maybe he gets open. It's designing ways for him to get the ball in his hands in the open field, um, which, which Sean Payton has shown an ability time and time again, to get guys into those spots. Like those are the things that I hope that they, that they carry over, um, you know, just as somebody that would like to your point to see this team score points um, more efficiently. Those are the kind of things that, that you hope they take, uh, you know, take into 2023. My last question to kind of wrap up Russ is like, we mentioned what what they gave up in March of 2022 to, to get him, and if if this just all ended right now, it, it would go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. What in your mind, like, because I I think this thought that Russell Wilson could be a top five quarterback, which was maybe some of the hope, top five seven guy uh, when they acquired him, I think that's largely out the window. Um, to me, I I think I, I've said if you can be a top twelve to fourteen you know, guy in QBR, passer rating, whatever metric you want to use, um, and, and you're, you're winning games and you're being efficient, you're not turning it over, like, that's not really what you signed up for. But to me, that's sort of where he needs to get to as a next step. What Can, can this still be a trade where you look back and say the Broncos won this, or is, is the bridge already too far for him to have to climb again? That part feels unlikely. The the win the trade part feels unlikely. You know, the the package that they gave up was was for a top five quarterback. I don't think he's got that. Um, I, I don't think that that's left in him. Quite frankly, maybe that never was him is is maybe something that we learned a little bit um, post trade and watching him in a Broncos uniform. But, you know, this is a guy that's he's going to turn 35 this season. The decline is real. Um, that that's all been happening directly in front of us. Yeah. I, I said this on my show, the ceiling is average. 
Okay. If he could just be an average NFL quarterback, like I think last year it was, it was passer rating in QBR 27th and 28th respectively. Yes. If I got that right, yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's five and 12 stuff right there. Like, yeah. Yeah. And there's some know, other, there's some other advanced metrics out there, like on a per snap basis where he was even lower than that, like yeah. only above guys like, you know, Zach Wilson and Baker Mayfield. So he was that bad. He yeah. he really was that bad of a player last year. And, you know, some of the issues that, that he was having last year, hanging onto the ball, slow decision-making, those sorts of things, like th- those don't automatically get fixed playing in Sean Payton's offense. And those don't automatically, you know, get, get fixed with him being in this system like that, that th- those are real problems. And those have long been problems for Russell Wilson. Um, he was sacked 55 times last year. Now uh, let's, let's hope that the upgrades on the offensive line stick certainly, but this dude's got to help himself out a little bit. Okay. He's supposed to be slimmer, which is supposed to help him move better. That whole thing. Like, okay. I always love, you know, coming into training camp, Nick, the, 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 <laughs> oh man, slimmed down. Really Best shape really, of my life. Really taking great care of himself. Slimmed down. Going to be more mobile. All those things. Oh, bulked up this off season, never been lifting harder, never felt stronger, going to be able to take the pounding, all that kind of stuff. Like it again, th- this is where I get to training camp stuff and roll my eyes at, at this whole thing. Okay. But also like all right, you're going to have to move, my guy. You're going to have to be able to get on the move and protect yourself out there because he's not a quick decision maker. We know that he's got issues with being able to see over the middle. All the all those problems with Russell Wilson, Sean Payton doesn't magically yeah. fix all of those. But again, mastery of the offense, better route trees, better route combinations, taking advantage of actually healthy skill position players, and hopefully a mildly improved offensive line all adds up to an average NFL quarterback, which I think the Broncos, they can make a run at a wild card spot if they have an average quarterback this year. Yeah, and I think that's so much a part of just like setting this foundation. I I think this idea that Russell Wilson was going to be a you know, a five-year answer that's putting you in the playoffs every single year and is going to be a, you know, a top 10 quarterback. Like I agree. I think those that that's gone. I I still do think that he can be an effective quarterback for this team Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, to your point, I, 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 I still go back to this quote from February when Sean Payton came in at his introductory press conference and said, we want to take Russell Wilson off the high dive. And I think that was an immediate recognition of just kind of how much that, that he was asked to do at a point in his career where he probably shouldn't have been and a lot of that was you know again we talked about a lot of it was circumstance with his own injuries injuries to others uh you know losing guys like tim patrick right away javante williams right away like we can be fair that there there was a lot of things stacked against him the coaching staff that just didn't seem to have consistent answers was changing things all the time those were all issues that that he had to deal with and so i think some of that high dive removal will be you know somewhat basic right a lot more cogent plan to run the football you know, better, better play along the offensive line and a better plan along the offensive line of how to protect him. But again, this is a guy that gets sacked all the time, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the season. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's been, that's been a, a, an issue for him a lot in his career. It's sort of antithetical to the things that Sean Payton wants to do uh, in his o- offense. Uh, he's he's going to grit his teeth on, on a lot of these because it just is, it, it, he has always had it designed to have a low sack rate in his offense. It's important to, to what they want to do. 
Um, I mean, nobody wants to get sacked, but it, but it's critical to what what they're trying to do. So I I just think that there's a lot of things that that could come to a head. Um, but again, it, it's it's a better foundation, and, and to me, it's just how far Russell Wilson himself can can leap off of that. So that that's you know again, we could we could spend this whole co- you know podcast talking about Russell Wilson, but I, I want to hit on a few other things. Um, you know what what uh, what interests you? I think specifically about about this defense, right? Because for so long. The Broncos during this seven-year run of not making the playoffs, the defense has been good to close to great. You know, for 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 a lot of that time, um, you know, average at the worst basically during this stretch. Last year they were they were really good the first half of the season, and then as the pass rush disappeared in the second half, and you know, the, some of these games got away from them, their metrics dipped um, quite a bit. But still, on paper, should be a a, a strong defense with a lot of returning veterans. What, what's just sort of, what are your, I guess, what are the things you're most interested in from a big picture perspective about the defensive side of the ball? Do they have a good pass rush? That That's my biggest question because I think the secondary is good. Like it, it's the secondary and inside linebackers, like that's two strength. That probably is the two strengths of the team right now, um, at least roster wise. So do they have a pass rush? Is Randy Gregory healthy? What's, you know, what, what, what does Frank Clark have left in the tank? Randy Gregory, and I i knew this, but also, like, I just, like, pulled up his pro football reference page the other day, just looked at it. Dude's never had more than six sacks in, yeah. in a year, you right. know? Like, we're, we are, we're always amazed, like, why does Jadavian Clowney keep getting contracts? You guys never had double-digit sacks. Randy Gregory got 70 million bucks, and he's never had more than six sacks in a season. He looked impactful when he was on the field yeah. last year, but he didn't stay on the field. He's got to, he's got to be a star. He has to be a Pro Bowl level level player um, if they're going to be a really good defense. Because after that, you know, aging Frank Clark, Baron Browning, who's going to start the year banged up, um, Nick Benito, who you know, hopefully there's a big leap from year one to year two out of him. But do they have a pass rush? It, the, you know, the, the defensive line in terms of the front three is is an interesting group. Um, Purcell's got – he's on the non-football injury list. By the way, and, and I'll just ask you. I know it's your podcast, but you're the reporter. <laughs> What's wrong with Mike Purcell? Yeah, I, he had, he had I think, an off-season um, kind of a knee scope that kept him okay. out of the, the off-season program. Um, and, and so I think where why he's on the non-football injury list is because it was something that happened – off season wasn't related to an injury that he suffered okay. last season. Like, so had Javante Williams needed to go on the, it would be the physically unable to perform list because it was an injury that occurred. A football um, in season injury, okay. a football in season injury. And I think with, with Baron Browning, it was a, it was a surgery to fix us an injury that occurred during, during last season. So I think, okay. I think that's where the designation um, is, but I, the only, like the, the thing I know that during training camp, uh, before the roster cutdowns, those guys can come back at, at any time. But yeah, that, that to me is, um, I, I agree with you 100%. Like that's, that's what they have to do. They have to be able to show that they can get after the passer. Now, I, I, I do think it's interesting that they're bringing in Vance Joseph is a guy who, um, blitzes uh, as aggressively as anybody else, any defensive play caller in the league, um, to, to an almost comical extent last year, uh, but a lot of that was by was by design. And our, our producer, my brother, Matt, uh, is a Cardinals fan. So he, he kind of knew some of that pain last year. But it's it's a situation to me where I, I think that stuff can be really advantageous, especially when you talk about some of the guys that they have 
what's been really interesting to me is Sean Payton talks a lot about this pressure player designation, right? Like not necessarily viewing it as, okay, these are the outside linebackers that need to create, you know, counting stats from a pass rushing perspective. Like they they view that as how do we get a guy like Drew Sanders, who's going to play inside linebacker, Mm -hmm. but, but is, can be a terror off the edge. How do we get him involved in this overall pass rushing picture um, you know, even a guy like Caden Stearns, who w- was a pretty successful blitzer during his rookie season, how do they get him involved? So like part of it to me is like, how much can Vance Joseph manufacture some of that? But you also don't want to live in a world in which you're constantly having to blitz because you have no front four pressure, because right. then that puts that puts the squeeze on on everybody else. Um, it To me, it's going to be a concern until it's not. Part of Randy Gregory was really impactful in those first uh, three games last year before yeah. hurting his knee against the Raiders. But he also had a healthy Bradley Chubb on the other side, who, who we, as, you know, as we remember, was playing really well um, for most of the first half of last season before he got traded. It's why they got a first round pick for him. Um, they don't have that now. Like Baron Browning was going to be your next guy. He may or may not be ready for the start of the season. Um, so now you're talking again to your point, Frank Clark, who shows up in the playoffs, but his regular season production, um, you know, ha- hasn't quite been there the last two or three years. Uh, you know, Nick Benito, again, a guy that they they were high on, but didn't show a lot as a rookie. It's kind of normal for that position. But again, h- how much of a leap is he going to take? Jonathan Cooper's a nice player, but he's not a guy that you game plan yeah. for and he scares you. So, yeah, the, it uh, to me, that's that's a big question mark. I wonder whether Drew Sanders, if they eventually just say this guy's an edge player, we need to get we need to get him out there. That's that's a that's a curious one for me. It's an interesting thought, man. It, look, Sertan is you know, top three at his position, maybe the best at his position in the game. Justin Simmons, top three at his position in the game. Um, you, Kareem Jackson played a ton last year, and now he's back. Caden Stearns, next step right there. I like the corner depth that they've got. Their secondary is awesome. It's it's just, okay, can you marry that now with even just a decent enough pass rush? I think you could add that up to, you know, being a top 10 DVOA kind of defense in the NFL, which the Broncos, they they 100% have to be able to be um, yeah. for, for them to be good. And then, you know, if they could score, you know, 18, 19 points a game. Yeah, yeah. But, hey, then we could really have something going on right here. But, uh, yeah, to me, again, it, it just comes down to Randy Gregory, man. Are you ever going to get what you paid for? Yeah, that's going to be like – that's their pathway to the playoffs, right, is that they need to be, I think, a top 10, you know, efficiency defense um, be really good in the red zone uh, and, and marry that with an offense like we spent time talking about that needs to get to that like gosh at least be like 20th in the league right like they, they've not been better than 26th in scoring since 2014 I believe 2014. yeah so like we're talking about almost a decade in which you haven't even cracked like the top 20 of offense like that that has to be that I mean that just has to be the baseline to, to be can you be a top 20 offense you know you what? have nine-time pro bowl quarterback russell wilson you have super bowl champion and offensive innovator sean payton if that can't be uh, you know you have all these wide receivers that you know everybody apparently wants but you don't want to trade them like that group has to be a top 20 offense going back to the beginning of our conversation of what are you looking for in training camp i swear to god man every single year since peyton manning has departed and it's this is where I'll be a complete hypocrite and talk out of both sides of my mouth. First week at training camp, I'm supposed to be like waiting to see some progression. And instead I just do the same thing every year where I'm just like, Oh, this offense stinks. Oh, this is terrible. They're going to be so bad again. It every year, every year, like that, 
I would like to see a semi-competent looking offense early on. Um, that that would that would just be it'd be a nice change of pace. Yeah, just give us something a little bit different to look at, to talk about, to write about. To I'm telling you, about. man. Though, like, it's I've seen it like from the first week where you're just like, what are they doing? This is awful. Oh my god. You and we know? tend to and, try to talk ourselves into circles about like, right. you know, you t- you try to talk yourself into it, right? And I think going back with the you know benefit of hindsight, like some of the stuff that even occurred in training camp last year um, w- with Wilson and the offense, it was like, oh, this doesn't look so great. And then right. they they came out in week one in the first you know first three quarters of that game and 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 were like doing whatever they they wanted, and it turned out to be that was the you know, that was sort of the, the pinnacle of what they were going to do offensively all year. Um, but yeah, there, there were just those signs. And so that's what I think that's what you hope for is like, okay, approach this with an open mind that this offense is going to be different, but also when it, if it's not, don't, you know, don't try to, don't try to paint it in a different way. Now I do think, I do think that you're going to have this, this thing of, I think Sean Payton's going to be willing to live with this, some of these growing pains because his offense is complicated. You're introducing a lot of players to it for, for the first time. As much as he has said that signing a lot of these Saints, former Saints players, isn't about like culture. I don't necessarily think it's about culture, but I do think it's about like I need X amount of guys on this team that just sort of in, in you know because he's he's plucked them into each room, right? There's a receiver here, a tight end here, a running back here, an offensive like it, it just guys from every part of the team to where it's just like. Okay, this is how this is how we do things. I think that is is probably more of a concerted effort than he might let on because there are gonna there is gonna be some of that. Again, it's another new offense and a guy that expects a lot. Um, so it, it's not necessarily that the offense I think needs to be like humming right away, but it also can't just look like to your point. What the hell are we doing? It's so hard to because going to camp every day in the Manning years, it, it was it, it, twenty fifteen was weird because Kubiak and Peyton hated the offense and there was all that tension. But, like, those first three years when Manning was there, even the first year when he was, like, coming off the neck surgery, yeah. it was just like, holy crap. <laughs> Look at how good this is. Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, but that that before that 2013 year, like, it, I mean, th- that 2013 year, like, you just know that they're going to score 35 points every week every at, a, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And, like, you, yeah, you just saw that. Like, th- they dominated – practice every single day like it, it was just already there so i do think like to your point like the the, the micro you know micro breakdowns can just get obnoxious uh and it's gonna be hot and it's just gonna be t- yeah too much but i but i just i do think it'll give us a pretty good window at least by you know kind of the second week of august of like all right maybe they got something cooking or yeah this might be uh another bumpy ride yeah. We shall see. Uh, Nate, before I get you out of here, man, any, any last, any last prevailing thoughts about, um, about camp or, or what you, uh, what you are excited to see, what you're not excited to see. We got a kicker battle this year, Nick. And we have I, a kicker battle. I love kicking. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Last week I was at, uh, I went to Vegas for Mountain West football media day and um, Nevada brought their kicker. Uh, who Brandon Talton, who two years ago hit a hit a 56 yard game winner in his first game ever as a walk on against Purdue, um, which is pretty baller. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's been all conference a couple of times. And so they brought him out to media day. Right. And it's so funny because every other reporter in the place is like, what the hell is a kicker doing here? And 
I had a five minute allotted window to talk to him and he sat down with me and I talked to him for 18 minutes. I was like, <laughs> we were talking about holding. We were talking about shoes. Like my jam. I, I love kicker nuance, man. I love kicker minutia. I love specialists. I think they're fascinating. And I think that Sean Payton's decision to jettison Brandon McManus was weird as hell. And I want to see if it works out. I get what he was trying to do in freeing up money. But, man, you don't spit in the face of a reliable kicker. And and he did so with Brandon McManus being out of here. So the Maher v. Fry battle is massive. And if the Broncos miss a big fourth quarter kick early on in the season, at any point in the season, we're just going to look at it going, what the heck were you doing Can you um, imagine with that, that right? move? Like so, they get everything else put together, right? And they yeah. finally look competent and then they're missing missing kicks. You have and to then make. they're missing kicks. Like it, hopefully that's not the case. But God, man, Brett Maher, uh, that's that's the solution, right? I don't think that's the last of it either. Like Elliot Fry and Brett Maher, they very well may not be the last two kickers that we hear from this very season. So um, again, like everybody, everybody jokes like, "Yeah, hey, kicker battle. No, that's a really big thing. And it's going to determine whether or not they win or lose games. Like simple results will come down to the kicker battle. So it's a thing. And I love kicker battles, kicker talk, and I'm going to be a big participant in all of it. I'm excited. You know, it's, it's crazy. I did not realize until I looked up his page today that Brett, Brett Maher played in the CFL for like a million years. Um, he's also one of, if, if not the only, he's one of only two guys that have kicked three field goals of at least 62 yards. Um, so he's got a big leg and last year he made 29 of his 32 regular season field goal attempts, 50 of his 53 PATs in the regular season. But man, it's just like people who are like, oh yeah, that's the great kicker. Like you will just completely forget about this, like one of five point afters in the wild card game, you know, and granted they didn't need, like it was, it was a game in which they were dominating and, and, and whatever, uh, you know, and then he turns around and, and he makes two field goals against the 49ers, but I think they had an extra point that got like the snap got fumbled or something yeah. else happened there early on but, in that game. Yeah. But it's just like, I mean, can you recover from the yips? I mean, do we, do we see that right away? Can you not know until a playoff type pressure comes? Like it's all, it's all interesting. It's a thing. It's a thing, it's a man. Thing. I'm looking right. at it. All so right. You ask me what I'm looking for. There's your answer. <laughs> All right, Nate. Well, I'll catch you. Uh, we'll catch you Friday. We'll be uh, we'll be watching kickers. Don't know where we'll stand while we're watching it. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we will be um, jettisoned to a, um, a a corner on the hill where we need a uh, need to build a homemade you know selfie stick to put <laughs> you know put a, something on top of. I don't know what it's going to look like. Bring my periscope. We'll be there come hell or high water, man. Appreciate having you, man. Be, being being my first guest on the Not Another Bucking podcast, I uh, I really appreciate your time, dude. It was an honor. Thank you, Nick. All right. Great language, great vision, great belief. Stay on schedule. That's all we got to do. That's it. And there you have it. Episode one of Not Another Bucking podcast in the books. Um, really hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. And again, this is going to be something that continues to grow, continues to evolve. We'll bring in... Um, a wider range of guests. We'll have different topics, different segments, um, really just kind of want to grow with this thing and, and have you guys be a part of that growth. Uh, so again, we ask you subscribe to the podcast so it can be in your feed um, every week and uh, follow the YouTube channel as well and subscribe there. And until next time, thanks for watching.